You're listening to Rosie on the House. On this beautiful... Stop slamming that gate. Arizona Saturday morning. Get that spring tension loosened up. Goodness. Come around here and find out what we're... <laughs> See if we can't get Mr. John Eisenhower out of the tree. It is the second Saturday of the month, so we are talking trees. ISA certified John Eisenhower, owner, operator of Integrity Tree Service. What, what, what 28, 29 years? How, how, 29 years. 29 years. That's right, this summer. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. you got to update our website. I was looking at that this morning. It says 25 years. You know, that's why we changed everything <laughs> to ours to since 1988 because we got tired of finding all Updating these places that where you, you got to go back. And well, at least our website. We need to keep that current. Wow. It is June. That's what right. tree are we <laughs> highlighting on this glorious, uh, blistering heat month? Well, in in honor of my 10 guys who are working this morning, trimming a whole bunch of trees down in downtown Phoenix, we're featuring the Phoenix Dactylifera. It's a date palm. Date palms are are one of my favorite trees. I mean, of all the palm trees, palm trees are cool because they give you vertical line in the landscape and that tropical look, and they're really popular here all over Arizona. Uh, but the date palm is particularly regal. I just love them. They have a really stately form, and they, they, uh, they're, they're neat and have that feather leaf. The fan palms have the, uh, a, a, a fan-shaped palm uh, frond, but the date palms have a feather-shaped uh, leaf, and they just look so elegant. I, I love them. They uh, also are, are productive, too. We have a, a couple of dates at our house that we, from time to time, will pollinate and actually harvest um, some really nice medjool dates. And uh, we just we, we love them. Uh, they're a, um, a fun tree to, to prune. And when they when they're done when they're pruned nicely, they just I don't think there's a, a more attractive palm tree in the landscape. Real easy to grow here. Sometimes you can uh, even take the little volunteers, the pups, so to speak, that grow from the base of of, of uh, date palms, cut them off, pop them in the ground, and have yourself a, a fruit bearing uh, palm tree in about uh, ten fifteen years. So as long as you don't have a swimming pool. You know, date palms are pretty good around pools. You know, are they? Well, they're not. What like palms the, did we have growing up? They weren't the fan palms, or the Mexican fan palms and the California fan palms are the ones that dump all the little yellow flowers in the pool. We're putting up with that ourselves um, the last week or two, cleaning that filter about every day uh, because we we're waiting until June fifteenth to trim the Mexican fan palms. If you trim them before the fifteenth of June, you'll have late emerging seed pods later in the summer. Uh, there will only be a handful of them, but then come July, all of a sudden you'll have some more of those seed pods coming out, and you've got to reclimb the the trees. So in order to not have to trim them twice or live with those um, the late emerging seed pods, uh, you should wait until June fifteenth to trim your Mexican fan palms. If you have the stouter, fatter, uh, shorter fan palms, the, that's the California fan palm. Uh, you should wait until after July fifteenth to trim those, to be able to get all the seed pods in one trimming. All these things are on our our, uh, tree calendar we have on our website. If you didn't catch all those dates, 
Um, you can go to itreeservice.com, the letter I, treeservice.com, and you can look up our tree calendar. And we have it broken down monthly, so um, any time of year you want to check in to kind of see the things that you need to be staying on top of, um, that's the place to go. But particularly this time of year, because the we start doing the date palms around the 15th of May, the uh, Mexican fan palms at the 15th of June, and the California fan palms about the 15th of July. <clears throat> so there you go. That's the tree of the month, your, dactyl- <laughs> your uh, Phoenix dactylifera. Uh, it's a, uh, our classic date palm. Now, how long will those live? I And you never seen them blown down either. No, they are amazing trees. They, they, there's something really uh, cool because they have a th- – their roots uh, are – the ends of their roots, uh, which only grow to be the, about the diameter of your finger, when they need new roots, they don't get larger in diameter. Their root, they just put out new roots. And the roots are blunt, like the end of your finger. So when they, uh, when there's pressure on the roots, if the tree is under pressure to to blow over, those roots create suction at the ends in the soil. Whereas if they were had a fine taper, like a carrot, then they would just pull out of the soil easily. And so they just the very anatomy of the root system prevents them from pulling over. You very very seldom see a palm tree uproot from the uh, from the root plate itself. Uh, generally, palm trees, if they break in storms, will break somewhere along the actual stem. Where of the, the woodpecker's got his <laughs> whole bird in. Well, sometimes, yeah, somewhere midway up the palm tree, they'll just break in half, or the top will will, will topple out. But no, they don't. You very seldom uh, will will blow over in storms. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you if you'd like to join the conversation. Text 411-923, or you can email info at rosyonthehouse.com. That's particularly helpful if you're trying to do some plant or insect identification. We actually had a homeowner this week send us a picture from uh, a street side out on Germain. And what tree is this? It was a eucalyptus? Mm. Yes, that's right. Yeah, there's about 13 eucalyptus uh, species that do well here in Arizona. And they're a well-adapted um, uh, tree for this this climate, and uh, yeah, they're you have to be a little bit of a eucalyptus expert to kind of di- discern the the difference between them. There's lots of uh, varieties, many beyond the 13, but 13 basic ones you'll see available at um, at nurseries and uh, in most of the landscapes around town. But yeah, really widely distributed tree. So those are the three ways you can communicate: email for pictures, text. Uh, if you're in a hurry, or call one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. On our theme, we were of blowing over trees. So, what trees do you commonly see blown over, and what are we going to do to make sure they stay upright and healthy before the monsoon the comes? The monsoons <laughs> come, and the monsoons are just around the corner. We usually see them rolling in in J- July and August. So. March or May and June are our kind of pre-monsoon uh, trimming months. We do a lot of our, our, our trimming work this time of year. You know, it's the trees that are, are have a lot of end weight. You know, we see a lot of mesquites blowing over, a lot of Palo Verdes, um, generally because we've limbed up all the lower branches trying to make uh, a shade tree out of these uh, trees that normally grow as shrubs and grow with branches that grow down to the ground, uh, blocking the sun from getting underneath them. We we remove all those lower limbs, make a create 
basically a beach umbrella uh, with the canopy of our um, our desert trees, and the wind gets up underneath them and can pull them over. Also, um, the mesquite trees right now have a lot of seed pods. And this time of year, um, it can double the weight of the branches when they're loaded up with seed pods. Uh, the the balloon, and same with the poly- really? yeah the same those with little the, tiny seed. Well, all pods those that become long bean looking things will weigh oh, will double the weight of a branch. Yeah, absolutely. And and the, the same with the the Palo Verdes, You know the, those beautiful that beautiful display of yellow flowers we saw last month. Those have all turned. Those flowers have all become seed pods, and those seed pods get very very heavy and get a lot of end weight. So, uh, we speak a lot about end weight because it is the critical factor in trying to make your trees safer. People think that um, thinning the trees out by removing uh, some of the interior foliage is going to make their trees safer, and and to some extent it does. But if if you've only stripped out the inside branches on your trees and you've neglected the outer third of the canopy where all the end weight is, uh, it, it actually leaves those branches really vulnerable to wind because now the wind blows through the middle of the tree, but where does the the, the force of the wind collect? In those heavy those heavy ends on the branches, they end like they they start flagging in the wind, and you get either branch breakage, or those big uh, ends of the branches start pulling, exerting a lot of pressure uh, down the, the the stem to the base of the, the attachment, and then ultimately to the base of the tree and it can pull the tree over. So those wind dynamics, um, those forces that are are exerted on our trees are really critical to understand, and we don't just do thinning on the interior. Good pruning should remove uh, the foliage incrementally from the interior all the way to the the ends of the branches and and remove it evenly. That way you leave the tree looking natural. It doesn't look as pruned. It doesn't look so heavily gutted in the middle. And it's as I said, it's it's reduced that end weight on the outside, which is the critical factor uh, in making your trees safe. Dr. Ed Gilman at the University of Florida did a lot of hurricane research, and he determined that that end weight reduction is the is the most important aspect of pruning. Uh, gives you the most bang for your buck because that's out where the the lever action is occurring, where the the that heavy end weight is exerting the most pressure on the tree. So. If you feel like you haven't gotten your um, your trees trimmed in time, um, it's still not too late. Uh, we still do a lot of um, pruning in the month of June in preparation for our July and 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 uh, and August um, uh, winds that are that are around the corner. And last year, about this time, we were backed up because we were we were so busy. And this year, we've done a lot of of recruiting, and we have we purchased two new trucks, we have two new certified arborists, two new certified tree workers. And we're staffed all, up, staff, manned up, staffed up. Yeah, and so we're not backed up very far. So if you feel like chainsaw ready jobs, chainsaw ready <laughs> jobs. You're right, shovel ready jobs. We we are uh, ready to go and only backed up about a week right now. So if you feel like it's uh, you might have waited too long to get your tree work done, well, uh, or you always do it yourself and whatever reason you're yeah if travel. You need, but if you need some help with those you larger, gotta, those taller trees, you can't get give, to it this year. Yeah, give us a shout. We're ready to, um, to help you out, get those trees done before the uh, um, uh, the winds arrive next month. Let's sneak Lucy in uh, for our first caller before we hit our first break. Welcome to the program. How may we help you? Okay, I uh, just bought 10, well, six weeks ago, bought 10 beautiful pygmy date palms. And they're to leave in pots on the patio. 
I love them. I've tested them in the direct hot heat. If there was controversy over whether they would live in Tucson or not when it was so hot, they've come through fine. I tested them, and they went four days without having to be watered, <clears throat> which I needed to know. I was told they had to be watered every day. So I think, and I was told also the plants, the extra soil around them, citrus soil. And I read that some people just leave them in the original containers and poke holes in them and put it in a larger pot and then put the citrus soil around that. Lucy will address those right after this. Trees can't speak, but John Eisenhower speaks their language. Talking Trees with Rosie on the House. And to join the conversation, it's one 767 rosie the letter four, the number four, and the letter U. Got it right that time. All right, John, you've had three minutes. Lucy's in Tucson. Got L- palm trees. Lucy, are you still there? She yes, is. I am, and I had a question, a second question. Also. Okay, well, let us, let us get through okay. your first one first. Okay. Well, you're, you're talking about tr- uh, putting those trees out into the landscape, correct? I'm putting. I'm keeping them in decorator pots. They're pygmy trees. Okay, and you talked about putting them into the pot. In uh, keep them in the liner, but just perforate the liner. That's that's what they're saying. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand how, what value there would be for that because I, I wouldn't want to tr- create an artificial interface between the uh, the planting mix that's in your in the container, and then the soil you're going to put outside it. Okay. I, I would um, think I don't. I don't see any reason to do to do that. I would okay. definitely get them out of those pots into that soil. Um, sounds like a good mix. That cit- I don't know what that citrus mix you're referring to is, but um, sounds like a good quality soil. But yeah, um, I, I like the fact that you're you're uh, uh, making that transition, get, getting those potted plants into the general location where they're going to be planted, uh, get them into the sun, uh, get them kind of acclimated to that location, and uh, and then backing off on the watering. Uh, that's 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 great. You make uh, those are all all good steps toward a, a successful transplant. Yay! I have one more question. Then. Well, I have one for you first, Lucy. Okay. There are several uh, places in Tucson to buy really nice quality pots for planting. Good. Okay. W- which one's your favorite? Where, where do you where do you get your pots? Do you remember where you got yours for the? Palm trees? You talking to me? Yes. For for your pots that you have all these plants, and where did you get? I haven't bought yet because that's why I was testing them. Oh, very good. I'm not going to go buy the pots and then have the trees. So I've been running them through the test. Gotcha. Okay. Some good recommendations for you then. Yeah. All right. Your second question. Well, you you got to tell her where 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 you might want to go. Well, there's quality pottery and pottery blowout, and then there's a third one. I think I'm I'm, I haven't found yet. but uh, a woman that wrote the book on potted plants for Arizona used to teach here. And I, I, looking at the pictures, it's not either one of these, and I'm still looking for that third Tell me Tucson. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, second question. What do you got for us, Lucy? Okay. Um, I'm taking out dead African sumac in the ground. These will be on pots and elevated a little bit, the, the date palms. But the sumacs have to come out. They're dead. And so I can get them sawed level with the ground. What do I put down there to kill the root system of an African sumac? They've been dry and dead for two years. Well, is there any um, evidence of, of new growth 
um, coming out from the base well, of the tree? I don't know about right now. There was some. That patio was all red brick, and the red brick heaved, and there was evidence of some of that. They made those roots may have died out in the last two years. I well, don't you could do a couple things. You could mechanically grind out the stumps um, and get a, a, a stump grinding service to come out and and actually use a, a tree to mechanically grind out the the stump down below. It'll destroy the root ball, so they they won't they won't reemerge. Okay. With certain trees like sumacs that have a, a tendency to to sucker back from the roots, uh, and if there's any uh, evidence of of a uh, of that little sprouts that are still still alive around the base of the of that dead tree, mm-hmm. uh, th- that that sprouting may 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 occur. Sometimes we recommend uh, once the tree is cut to to soil grader as close as you can to the to the ground. Uh, you can uh, contract with a company to come out and apply a contact herbicide to the surface of the stump, uh, and to we'll often drill around the the, the uh, circumference of the stump, uh, you know, f- several inches into the top of the stump, and pour our, our the herbicide uh, mixture solution into those holes, and it will then travel down into the root system of the tree. These systemic herbicides are really effective at uh, getting uh, getting a kill distance of about 10 feet from the stump if, if okay. it's applied properly. Uh, you do need to get, uh, for the the better quality chemical products that are not av- commonly available to, to consumers, uh, you, you need to work with a, a qualified pest control applicator, uh, okay. a licensed applicator who can come and do that work for you. Okay. Some of the over-the-counter stuff is just, just not powerful enough to, 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 so to kill you, a tree stump. I don't know if um, you... I'll let you handle this. What about the university gardener for information? Oh yeah, the the master gardener. Yeah, sure. Corporate extension they usually office. Have a, usually have a a master gardener a hotline that can refer you to local companies that could help you with that. We appreciate the call, Lucy, and good luck. And you know, I actually think the one I was thinking of is the is Pottery Blowout. I thought it was the Pottery Depot or something like that, but I'm not. That's too easy of a name not to take this long to find and savano <laughs> nursery may also have some pots available yeah i i would imagine that savano mesquite valley growers those guys are the pots that are coming are either coming from quality pottery or or the pottery plot but good luck lucy we appreciate the call we've got bottom of the hour news break coming up and we'll be back with john eisenhower isa certified arborist talking trees Some grow nuts, some grow leaves. Either way you look at it, we're talking trees with John Eisenhower on Rosie on the House. Aside from the monsoons, what other factors are we looking at when we're talking risk assessment with our trees? What other vulnerable items should we be looking for? Well, you know, speaking of risk assessment, there's a, a real um, art and science to, to this. Um, all across the, the, the world right now, there's a, a tree risk assessment qualification and training that a lot of arborists are, 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 are acquiring you know, and it does. It's, it gives you a level of, of skill in being able to assess the um, the risk, and they they measure certain um, uh, dimensions of that risk in terms of the target 
that is the the value of those objects that might be in the way of a tree that could fall or a branch that could fall um, high pedestrian areas a home buildings high value um, property um, and then they also talk about the the uh, the uh, uh, size of the branch that might fall if it's going to be an entire tree failure or if it's going to be a 18 inch diameter, 12 inch, six inch, three inch diameter branch would be have the most likelihood of failing, and they they quantify the risk so that they can uh, either mitigate the risk or uh, determine that a tree might need to come down if it's if it's too dangerous to keep. But yeah, there's a um, a real. It's good to get a qualified arborist who has had a, a level of training that would give them the, the ability to. Uh, of course, there's a lot of um, testing measures we can do. We can. Uh, do some um, do a visual tree assessment and um, just looking at the the root system of the tree the trunk the branches and de- determine through just observation uh, if there are th- obvious um, fungal conks at the base of the tree or some uh, actual architectural problems within the tree that we are, are obvious to the uh, to the eye and and we can make some determinations there's also some other some other testing we can do we can use a sounding mallet around the tree to see if we see if it can hear any hollow areas uh underneath the bark uh, which would indicate that there's some uh, uh some decay and maybe cavities within within the tree then there's some more sophisticated testing using a resist resistograph and some other um other in, more invasive uh, uh testing methods to determine if there's some uh, decay and, and cavities inside the tree that are not um, obvious from the outside. And that helps to be able to make some decisions because it's a shame to have to lose large trees. Some t- people see uh, uh, some uh, evidence of what they think is a, um, a, a problem with the tree that would um, require it to be taken down. And, and, and we've been able to go and say, no, that's the, uh, the, the uh, risk is very low. The uh, percentage chance of there being a tree or a branch failure are so low that it's an acceptable level of risk to live with this tree in this condition. But it's important to get that um, evaluated by someone who, who's had some degree of training to be able to do that. A texter wants to know about getting saguaros removed. It's got two in their backyard, at least 20 foot tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the plant that how holds our state flower, so it's obviously protected. <laughs> right. Well, what what's the rules there? Do some, they need a risk assessment before that can be taken down? Well, they need to um, contact their, their municipality to ask what rules and regs they have. There's some. There are some. Uh, it is a protected species, and you can't just take them out, move them, sell them. You you need to get some permitting, and I'm not sure all the requirements that are involved in that. But there's a very virulent pathogen called bacterial necrosis, which is uh, affects a lot of our our saguaro cacti and um, it's it's a shame because once the the the, the saguaro cactus is infected with this bacteria, it's hard to um, to to get rid of it, and it often um, will cause the tree to start to decline, and you'll start to lose um, some of the arms off the saguaro cactus. And if it gets deep into the trunk of the tree, it can start weakening it from the base, and you'll and and it'll get into the root system. And then the tree will start to lean, and you'll start to see these big saguaro cactus with a lean. If you see those around, they there is a very, very high risk of those those coming down. And they're so full of water, and they're so heavy, 
that they can cause a lot of damage when they come down. We've done a lot of, of risk mitigation where we've come in and we've removed an arm of a cactus on the lean, on the lean side uh, with the uh, effort to try to save the rest of the tree, just to give it a little bit more life. And, and if it's in a low target area where there's no risk, even if it did fall, um, sometimes you know people will try to maintain the, the cactus in the landscape for a longer period of time. Uh, if there's high, high value um, targets below a, 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 a swore cactus, that has bacterial necrosis, it's a good idea to get that evaluated and maybe get the, uh, the cactus taken down if, if needed before you start losing branches. John, I had a nine-foot single-stalk Sororo in my front yard. I came home one day, and it was leaning ever so slightly. When I got to the base, I had a little pocket knife, and I cut it wide open, and this black ooze came out, and that was my first taste of bacterial necrosis. Yep. I had to take it down. Uh, it was already infected up into the cactus. So I hope I don't get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think anyone's going to um, uh, be um, knocking on your door anytime soon. If there's a, a risk of, of, of a tree falling over, um, you know, that's a, a priority. I don't think you'd need to get permitted uh, to take a tree down that has an imminent risk of failure and, and possible damage or property damage or injury. So, yeah, get those taken care of right away. Yeah, the bacterial necrosis sometimes will affect the base of the cactus because they've been planted too deep. This is really disturbing because swirls are planted with are transplanted with very little root material, and so they'll often be dropped into the hole a little bit too deep in order to stabilize them in the soil. Sometimes a foot or two deep in the soil, which is a really poor planting practice. Swirls should be planted right at the base of the root collar and then um, supported with a, uh, um, a, a support system. Um, but sometimes guys will or gals will transplant them and, and not want to invest the time in a support system, so they'll drop them into a hole much too deep, and, and the trunk will be buried. Well, that buried trunk tissue often is the um, place where the bacterial necrosis starts getting So, John, get, get going. could I plant another plant in that area uh, where the cactus had bacterial necrosis? Would that be in the dirt anywhere once I remove the cactus and the roots and everything? I'd probably take any any obvious root material out of there but and, and just leave it exposed and solarize <laughs> the area. And I think it's yeah. probably pretty safe to okay. put it back in. I, solarize was the word I was thinking of. I just, yeah, just nothing... Take Nothing it out. Give it a, our, give it a year. A, a, good, <laughs> a good few months in our summer sun. It'll bake everything out of there. But yeah, I do take all that that necrotic material out of this, um, you know, out of the area before I plant something back in there. And we do have a couple more talking tree points that we'll get to. But we're going to head south to Sabino Canyon and bring Barbara into the conversation. And as we do, uh, I have this in my show book. It had come up like four or five Saturdays in a row. And finally, I just I've got to go get one for reference when it comes up again i've been sitting on this for two or three years and before it came back up but this is the actual form from the arizona department of agricultural which is the application for arizona protective plants and wood removal and it's a two-page form that you've got to fill out you've got to know your parcel number the legal description that mm -hmm. proof that you are the property owner and it's an application for removal and you would fill this out and there are people with trucks that specialize in saguaro transplanting, mm -hmm. if they can get a truck into your backyard, uh, they can you, they can 
there's a good chance if it's in good Take sound that, that they can go out and, transplant and it. move it. Yeah, and they, they transplant pretty easily, but you do, do need to get a company that specializes in that with a special truck to move those trees the, the right way. Let's bring Barbara into the conversation, see if we can s help her with her tree question this morning. Hello? Oh, yes, ma'am. Hi, how are you doing? Just um, fine. My problem is I have a pool and then I have a block wall and I had oleanders and they overgrew and they actually pushed the wall down and their roots were right up on the ground and um, pushing against the pool. So we removed those. Now I'd like to replant something for privacy, either a tree or a shrub, but I don't know what would be good around the pool. Someone said maybe a mastic tree, but it grows slow. So I wanted something for privacy pretty soon, but I don't want litter. You know, I want something that's kind of easy maintenance. <laughs> I looked at Mediterranean palms. Um, I just don't know what to put in around the pool. Yeah, med med uh, fan palms are really nice. Mediterranean fan palms are a nice uh, poolside uh, plant that are very, very low litter and easy to manage. Uh, they're uh, not going to give you a lot of, of, of uh, kind of uh, size, you know, unless you, you spend quite a bit to, to, to buy them. Because if you buy a specimen tree that's six feet tall with uh, several um, uh, several arms, they can be a little pricey. But that, that's a great choice if you can, you know, get a few of those in there. They'd, they'd be great. I'm thinking also Arizona rosewood is a nice kind of screening plant. You've got some uh, um, hop seed uh, is also another uh, nice screening plant that might uh, be a good alternative to the oleanders that you lost because those you can plant on two or three foot centers and build a nice little uh, hedge along that side to replace the oleanders. Okay. And this evergreen pistache um, mastic, some have recommended that, but I don't know about it. Yeah, the mastic is nice. It's a little pistache um, uh, lentiscus. And it's a, it's a, it is slow growing, as you said. And uh, I, I've really had trouble finding some that have very good branch structure. They tend to have a single trunk and then a, uh, a big, heavy um, um, uh, flush of, of branches that, that from a single spot on the main stem. And it's not the best structure. I wish they would um, uh, develop a few more of those that were multi-stemmed. And they, what about they're, they're, they're very low litter, though. What about trying to grow a, a Potinia Frazier or something like that, Fraserie? Not familiar with that. I, I wish I could answer, but I can't. Okay, and and then the other one would be to go back to the um, waxleaf privet or even bring in a, I don't know, if a seedless olive or tree Seedless would olive would be awesome. Yeah, that that's a great choice. Yeah. Um, I'd stay away from the privet. They're not as, as sun tolerant. They can get sunburned pretty easily, and they're um, they're pretty dirty. I wouldn't have one near a pool, uh, but all of it would be great. And you owe it to us to call us back and let us know what you picked and why, Barbara. We appreciate you tuning in this and send a picture in Saturday morning. Yes, send us a picture as well. The expert that's brave enough to say the word deciduous. Talking trees with John Eisenhower, Rosie on the house. You know, it's not just enough that you have to learn all the Latin names for trees. It's not enough that you got to learn the proper way to prune. 
but to be a certified artist, you have to be a consultant as well. When somebody calls and says, "My neighbor's tree," <laughs> you, you, you've got to be a a uh, 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 what do you call it? An, an arbor ar, uh, a mediator between neighbors. <laughs> yeah, arbitrator. 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 Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, we do a, a fair amount of disease and problem diagnosis. I mean, it's just we get calls every week, and we actually have a fee-based consulting service that we offer where we come out uh, and, and are paid for our time to just give advice to help people kind of solve tree-related uh, um, issues. And we do a fair amount of disease and, um, and, and problem uh, diagnosis and have a wonderful staff um, with Sarah, um, uh, Roy, and Andy, myself, all certified arborists, and with quite a, a few years of experience under our belt, so we can come and 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 very quickly uh, try to help people, you know, solve solve or resolve the problems that they have. Uh, sometimes those require a little bit of additional testing. We'll take a soil sample, a tissue sample, get a lab analysis, and try to get back to them quickly with the to try to uh, take care of some of those those problems. But yeah, there's a lot involved. Sometimes we do have neighbor issues where we have trees that are causing problems, neighbors' trees causing problems to our, our customers, and and we try to come in and help them resolve those. Uh, could be that their neighbors have trimmed their trees or they have uh, roots or branches that are growing across the property line and causing problems with their hardscape or issues. And we can help... Um, sort of uh, head off uh, other long-term um, relationship issues with those um, with those neighbors by giving some advice on on how to approach those there are legal um, protocols and 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 other city regulations that kind of govern uh, neighbor relations with regard to trees that cross property lines so it's good just to we're not we don't you know provide legal advice but we can kind of help you so you you don't and unnecessarily go down a legal pathway of, of having to file a lawsuit to resolve problems like that um, and maybe just help you uh, take a little uh, side detour into an, maybe to be able to arbitrate uh, and mediate some of those those issues and and avoid having to, to go to court. Uh, so yeah, there's a we, we uh, as I said, offer a lot of um, other consulting services. We do some um, some tree evaluation in, in terms of uh, casualty loss. We do some expert witness work. We uh, um, are often retained by attorneys who will uh, who are on a case to, and will provide a, an opinion with regard to uh, whatever issue they're facing. We do a lot of work um, and have the last couple of years with regard to protecting trees during construction. We're um, invited to come on to an architectural team and work alongside the architect and the, the developer with regard to retaining trees in a uh, on a construction site to try to help them get through the construction process. It's wonderful when we're called in pre-construction to actually give advice uh, going into the design phase of the project uh, to um, actually help um, avoid problems. Uh, often we're called in post-construction to try to take, uh, try to solve problems that um, that were caused by the construction, and that's always more difficult to go back later and try to go back and 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 patch up problems that were caused by um, uh, uh, poor decisions that were made uh, early on in that process. So uh, we do a lot of that, and um, 
just want to let people know that, that we do offer those consulting services. Uh, they're listed all on the website, and um, you can kind of go down and see if there's things we can help you with. In your clients' cases where it's a block wall and it's heaving, you know, Masons, when a car hits a block wall, nobody wants to go out and fix six or seven blocks. That's a pain in the neck. Mm-hmm. And you got to get the grout and the tools and the time. But it seems to me this happens enough that if we've found a way to unstack the block, you know, get your grinder out, get the mortar, put in a lintel to carry the block load and put it back over, a, a mason could make a killing and charge a premium for that service because it's still going to be a heck of a lot cheaper than mm-hmm. starting over with a new tree and a heck of a lot cheaper than going to courts because sure, if it goes to court, nobody wins but the attorneys. Well, if, if you could retain some of these trees that have roots that are underneath the, the footing on the, these block walls and they're starting to lift the, the, the footing, which sends a crack, a radiating crack up the up the, the block between the, the course of a block, um, there is some, you know, it often the tree just has to come down. But if there could be, um, you know, the removal of that, that, that block wall, and we, we did this on a large tree recently, we took out the block wall and we did a pier and beam type system where we put a, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a beam at the bottom and then we stacked the block on top of that between the pilasters and let the roots go underneath it. And that, yeah. that works, but it's, 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 it is an expensive process. But if it's a high-dollar, high high-value tree, it's worth uh, it. It's definitely worth it, sure. So, all right. If you are in need of Arbor Service, they've crew at iatreeservice.com, Integrity Tree Service's website, has staffed up immensely both in man and equipment. You can find them at itreeservice.com if you've got any need for ISA certified arborists. John Eisenhower, thank you for your time this Saturday morning. You bet. Talk to you soon.